1: Windy city bringing in Ryan Dempster today everybody loves Demp the off the mound podcast doing great work with the marquee sports network MLB network love seeing Ryan Dempster on my TV screen on my internet in my earbuds on his podcast uh, Ryan Dempster has always been awesome and I always think back to 2008 and that Cubs team with Kosuke Fukudome and Derek Lee. What a credit to the organization on the field, off the field, and always fun to talk to. I think you really enjoyed this one. Ryan Dempster right now on The Windy. Our heroes wear size, heroes in blue. Give us the chance to feel like heroes too. Forever. We lose will go go it is awesome to have Ryan Dempster with us today the former Marlin red of course cub on the 2013 Boston Red Sox that won a World Series and now the off the mound podcast slash Video Entertainment slash Marquee Sports Network. Ryan Dempster, I think you were meant for this all along, weren't you?
0: <laughs> I don't know. I guess I've been uh, having a little bit of fun and, um, you know, trying to stay busy as I give up the uh, the dream of being a baseball player, you know, and father time caught on. And so now it's on to other things. I, I am. I'm having a blast. And I enjoy baseball uh, a lot and the stories behind it all. And it's it's been a lot of fun doing the off the mound stuff, doing the analyst stuff, calling some games. So I'm definitely having a blast.
1: I'm guessing you enjoy off the mound more than the game analyst stuff, or is that wrong?
0: No, no, for sure. I I, I like calling the games a lot. That's a lot of fun. And, and I dig that, but uh, um, you know, the off the mound stuff is what it's all about for me. And, you know, look forward to the day where we can hopefully be, you know, in a live theater again and be able to bring that atmosphere and, it's so much fun we've we've had great nights doing it um, whether that's at innings Fest down in Arizona or fundraisers we've done in Chicago the amount of laughs that we shared these guys tell these great stories and share them with the with the fans out there it's it's just been a ton of ton of fun and the reason I got into it all and look forward to one day getting back there again but enjoying doing the off the from our key right now and, and having those and um, highlighting some of these guys of, of who they are and not just what they do it's pretty cool
1: I mean, you've had pretty much everybody on there. It seems like they actually want to do it. I think it's almost weird in the pandemic that people are looking for connection. Does that feel right to you?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I think if we, can, if we can have a connection and if we can have a, an opportunity to um, highlight something positive in what's a very negative world right now um, and, and a depressing world, uh, at times, which I totally understand. I get it. it's not easy on anybody. I mean, people have been losing jobs and being, you know, the, the threat of getting sick or family members that you know have got sick or yourself. So it, it's just been a really, really tough time on everybody. And all I try to do is just give a little bit of uh, something that they can laugh at or smile at or enjoy for that moment. And if we can collectively have as many of those um kind of moments during the day then hopefully we're all just a little bit better off on the other side of all this because you know we can talk about all the physical issues the mental health of everybody after after this pandemic is going to be you know it's going to be something that we important really really important that we all um, learn to help each other and get through because it's it's not going to end just when this ends
1: no question i was going through your twitter by the way. a lot of people writing at you here, like one, uh, somebody where I must admit I like these off the mound with Ryan Dempster, like somebody's just like being forced to admit it, like they don't, they don't want to say that they like the show. And then I saw at Pear Script said, as he ages, Ryan Dempster looks more and more like my former stepdad, and it makes me so, in bold letters, uncomfortable. I, I think that's kind of a compliment. <laughs> uh yeah yeah i guess i guess that's a compliment um
0: uh i'm hoping that's because uh, maybe that stepdad was you know semi-attractive uh maybe when you close your eyes that's what well, i'm hearing um yeah always interesting to see the the comments in a uh in a twitter um grab you know because you never know where they're coming from or what context. And, it's a lot of fun to be honest with you. You know, if you if you treat it the right way, you can get you can get pretty upset when you read them, or you can just take them with a grain of salt and have some fun with them.
1: Yeah, and I was I was reading a Forbes piece on you, and I guess it was an incident with Jock Jones and a fan, and he's screaming at Jock Jones, and Jock's getting pissed, and you kind of jumped in there and made it a little bit more friendly slash able to laugh at it. I think Twitter's almost like the same thing. Like a fan in the stands feels anonymous. Uh, somebody on Twitter posts, they feel like they can say whatever you want. And then getting to the mental health side of it, how do I want to let this bounce off me or penetrate me to the point that I'm really bothered and maybe I get out of my game and, and my life just became a lot less fun?
0: Yeah, <laughs> totally. It, well, it's, it's science, right? Like people could say a hundred nice things about you and you're just like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. You just whatever. And the minute somebody says one mean thing, the endorphins in our brain, you know, our frontal lobe just fires up and we just get like angry. And fight or flight goes and like what do you mean you're gonna say that whoa 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 how come you didn't like you know write back to the hundred people who said something nice about you but that's just not in our nature we we instinctively want to do that and you know that was kind of my job as a teammate you know that that incident with jock jones i still remember it clear day. he wanted to he wanted to go in above the dugout and and get after with his fan and i'm like jock what's up man why are you so mad he's like well you know like this guy's making fun of my throw and he's saying some things that aren't very nice. And I just kind of, Hey, Jock, I don't know if you saw your throw, but (laughs) it wasn't very good at all, man. And he just kind of like smiled. and he just, it diffused the situation. Was he still mad about it? Sure. Did the guy say something he shouldn't have said? Absolutely. But at the end of the day, um, you know, Jock's out there playing hard, and that's what I just try to relay to him. And don't worry about that one person who's talking some smack right now. Don't worry about all the people who care about you. And that's that's the most important thing.
1: And by the way, just to underline what Demp just said, you don't have to be a professional athlete to be someone who just brushes off compliments all day long and never lets it sink in, so you never feel good about yourself. And then when something bad happens at your own, wherever you're working or at home, you go right to just the complete worst place you can be because you just – you never affirmed yourself in the first place. This is a lot of good self-help work we're doing here, Dan, but that, I feel like that's <laughs> that's some true stuff right there, right?
0: No, it is. You know, it's really important. You know, I, I always learned at a young age when I was playing, I had a, a veteran pitcher, um, Alex Fernandez, who pitched on the south side with the White Sox for years, and then he was down with the Marlins, and he just said, remember – you're never as good as they say you are and they're never as bad as they say you are. So don't get too caught up in that stuff. And, um, you know, so when you're in those moments where you're, you're totally like at a, you know, a really, really tough place or you're in a tough spot, you know, it's, it's about, um, you know, remembering that you're not, you're not that person. You're a good person and, you know, uh, enjoy, enjoy the compliments that people give you too, just as much. I think that's just as
1: important. I forget who the player was, and we can move on from this in a a second, but I just want to bring this up. Some fan was yelling at whatever player it was, and all he did was just tug on his jersey, as in like, dude, you paid to get in here. I'm getting paid a nice paycheck, and I'm wearing this, and I get to play and walk up to the plate and or the mound or wherever. You can say whatever you want. Look look at where I am and look at where you are. And I guess in the moment, though, it still matters because – to a lot of guys where they allow the fan to creep into that. But I just, I was looking like, why do you care what that guy says? You're in the major leagues. Look at what you've done with your life. Yeah, it's interesting. You know,
0: I, I've, as I've noticed more and more as I've gotten away with it, I noticed it while I was playing is sports are this, this really interesting dynamic where um, we're, we're just allowed to boo people at their job. You know, because ultimately you want them to do their job, right? Like, yeah, you're there to cheer them on and you want them to hit a home run or you want them to have a great game pitching, but you want them to do their job because you want your team to win. And that that makes you the happiest. You know, the people around Wrigleyville are the happiest when the Cubs win the game. That's That's when, you know, that's when everybody's having a good time. But we have this thing where it's just – and I don't know when booing became such a thing and, like, Boo for lack of effort, absolutely. Guy doesn't run the ball down the line, you know, doesn't run it out to first base, boo. Doesn't hustle out there, boo. Go for it. Um, but I just never understood the booing for lack of uh, results because at the end of the day, there's another team on the other field, on the other side of the field, that is getting paid the first and the fifth need to do their job too. <laughs> and whether we like it or not, we can't win all the time. Like the greatest hitters in the history of baseball succeed only 30 percent of the time so we're just gonna boo them the other 70 percent of the time and so it's really funny because i think it's just like the only job professional sports is a, i guess like a, a rock concert when they just like don't come out and play music but they can come out and be terrible and everyone's like yeah i
1: love metallica
0: yeah meanwhile they missed like 18 chords and lars fell asleep for a half a song but we're like we love you It's just like the weirdest thing in sports. I'm like, what if I just walked in the emergency room? I'm like, what? That's supposed to be a horizontal incision. That's vertical. You're brutal. Like, it just doesn't happen. So it's just like an interesting, you know, and some players take it really personally. Me, I always enjoyed the interaction. I knew that people paid money for their ticket to come there. They can pick and choose what they want to do. And I think sometimes if you just, in a subtle way, just remind them, you know, to have a little bit of fun. You're at a ballpark, you can hot dog and enjoying a beer and enjoying the best players in the world, play a game tends to be pretty fun. Don't let it, don't let it make you be be miserable. You know?
1: Yeah. I remember being 12 years old and sitting in the bleachers and uh, with my dad, who's he was an older dad, not that it really matters, but they're screaming at Bobby Dernier. Bobby, how are you gonna feel when you pick up your paycheck? How are you gonna feel when you pick? I'm like, oh, this guy's gonna f- probably feel pretty good. It's a good paycheck. <laughs> you know, pays the bill. Uh, and uh, there was one other, Dave Corzine. Do you know who that is? He Dave Corzine. So wow. he, he, so he was a slow. I don't want to be into stereotypes here, but he was a slow, white, can't-jump center who played at DePaul, and he played for the Bulls, and the Bulls traded Artis Gilmore, who's still the best center that ever played for the Bulls for this guy. It was a terrible trade, and Corzine was just getting killed. And when Jordan got here, he actually saved him because he made him a better player. But anyway, the point is that the guy behind me with my dad is just screaming, Corzine, you stink, Corzine, you stink, Corzine, you stink, the whole game. And so finally, my dad turned around, and he just starts screaming at the guy, All right! he stinks. We get it. <laughs> like, how many more, t- <laughs> like, how many times can you sit there and say it um, until you feel good? But that you know, people, I don't know, a lot of things going on in people's lives. So
0: yeah, I- there's a, there's a good, there's gotta be, they gotta have good, you know, you gotta have some good, like come with it, like do some research. If you're going to go in your ambition to go to the game that day is to, to get on a guy, whether it's an opposing player, Dig in a little bit, you know, find out where he went to high school, you know, find out who his first girlfriend was. And like, let's let's have some fun with it. But like, don't don't just come with the you stink, you suck. Like, we don't hear that. That's just like boring. You know, like I remember Kevin Millar, uh, uh, my my former teammate, now the host of Intentional Talk. Super funny guy, always interacting with the fans. And we were in Tampa and this guy's just like Millar is that a real donut on the bat? Look at your body. You're an embarrassment. What is that? Is that a frosted donut? You know, and he just turned around. And he goes, you win. I that's, that's good. See, now you're coming with it. And like, just the fact that he acknowledged the fact that this fan dug a little bit and had some fun with it. It was really, really, you know, that that's where it gets fun. And as long as you keep the expletives out, and, you know, there's kids in the ballpark. We don't need any cussing. We don't need anything like that. Have some fun with it. It's all, all a good time.
1: Do you believe that the energy and the crowd matters? Cause now I'm going to bring up a slightly painful moment here in 2008. You guys are in the playoffs against the Dodgers. You're on the mound in game one. You're up to zip. You give up a grand slam to James Loney. It's four, two. And I swear the ballpark went to like the Cubs will never win another game again. We might as well leave. Meanwhile, it's a two run game in the fifth inning in game one of the series. But I think it was the next game that all four guys in the infield made an error. Cubs fans make it more difficult to play in Chicago just because they haven't won forever. Like, I never believed in curses, but I did think there was more pressure to play in Chicago because of the history.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely felt that. When I when I got pulled out of the game, trust me, I, I if I could have a start back in my career, that's the one I wish I could have back. I gave the Dodgers way too much credit. I walked too many guys. I was trying to be perfect. Meanwhile, my stuff was plenty and good um, to throw it over the plate and, you know, the foul tip, just just misses uh, Soto catching it, and then the grand slam. And you know, you come out of that game, and and I I, I literally thought it was ten two or something. The way how quiet it was, and even within our own dugout, it permeated through our dugout. Right. And, um, you're right. It became very heavy. You know, like it's it was just heavy energy, and um, and you know, thankfully uh, we were able to to get back there in 2015, 2016. I felt like after the Cubs beat the Cardinals in 2015 but that kind of went away because I felt like even like in game five of the world series that year, are um, when Lester came out and pitched and, you know, here you are down three, one, I felt like it was good energy. Again, it was almost like, Oh, we can do this. We can win a series. We can beat somebody. And so that moment, but I, I recall that it, the fans don't realize um, how much they can lift you up in those moments. Sometimes uh, as a player, when you're out there, you really do draw from that energy. Yeah, sure it's your job to compete and go out there and execute. But when you're feeling a little little down, a little lethargic, when you can draw off the energy of the crowd like that, it's it's pretty, pretty special. And that's why there's a reason they call it home field advantage because those are your fans lifting you up. And, and that's why you know, when you're out there playing, you're playing for not just your teammates and, and you know, your, your buddies on there, you're playing for the fans too because you're all in it together.
1: Yeah. I mean, I remember – in '03, obviously, I hadn't joined the club yet. In '03, you were st- still with the Reds. One year from from coming over, and uh, you know, they lose Game Six, the Bartman game, and whatever the Alex Gonzalez game, I should say. I'm walking around Game Seven. I was a vendor back then, Ryan. So I'm you know I'm selling beer, and I'm walking around before the game, and it was just absolutely certain they were going to lose. There was no energy. I'm like, come on, let's go. Let we need some positivity here. And then Cabrera hits the home run in the in the first inning. And it's three nothing, and people are screaming for beer. I'm like, dude, you need to shut up right now. I cannot focus right now on your beverage needs. This is this is death. And then Carey hits the home run, and the place went bananas. Uh, one of the greatest moments I've ever seen in in, in Wrigley. Uh, which, by the way, that brings to me to uh, I like pitchers hitting Ryan Dempster. Why, why can't why why do we got to get rid of that? Some of the greatest moments in the game at Wrigley Field, specifically Sutcliffe in '84, Carey in 03. Can we not have pitchers hitting? Like, I know they're most likely going to strike out or whatever, but didn't you enjoy it yourself?
0: I did. I loved it. I thought it was part of being a well-rounded pitcher. Get your bunts down, you know, grind out in that bat. Have a five or six pitch at bat. If you do that three times in a game, that's one less inning pitch for the pitcher out there. Um, You know, was it always pretty? No, but, like, wasn't always pretty when you face Randy Johnson for anybody on the team, let alone the pitcher. Right, You know, so like, you know, if you could be able to handle the bat and swing the bats, it it paid off. Look at, you know, all the way back to the 2015, 16 Cubs. When you have guys like Jake Arrieta taking Madison Bumgarner deep in the playoffs, you know, or Kyle Hendricks coming up with a big base hit against the Dodgers to draw, drive in some runs. Like those are moments that it showed the hard work, the, the all around hard work. Are you going to go out there and hit 300 like Zimbrano every year? Probably not. Um, But you're, you're setting yourself apart from the other pitchers. You know, every time you get a sacrifice point down, you're putting a runner in scoring position and you're getting the chance to win the game, you know, and things have changed. It's all about the three true outcomes now. Um, but are the results any better? It's not like we're winning games 15 to 12 now or 20 to 18. The scores are still the same. We're just getting there with way more strikeouts, way more walks and sure more home runs. But, I love the creative aspect of it. I love the pitcher who could hit and run or slash and be able to read the play. It was about being athletic and, and being able to be a well-rounded field, your position, you know, get the bunts down, grind out in that bat. And so, yeah, I, I'm not a fan. I adapt to the times. I understand it's going forward. So it is what it is. Um, It creates some more jobs for some guys, but um, I really, really am going to miss the fact that there's pitchers in there hitting and I really, really enjoyed it when I was pitching and I was grinding and grinding and then all of a sudden the pitcher came up and I could finally get somebody out. That was always nice too.
1: <laughs> yes, from the on-the-mound standpoint, that uh, sure. It's like, okay, here's a little breather. I just wanted to underline, uh, you know, John Lester came over here and he hadn't hit. And you could just see, and I'm not watching behind the scenes, but like every time he's coming up over there, it's like, this guy is clearly working on it. He's getting better and better. They're more quality at bats. Eventually, he's going to take one of these guys deep. And he ended up doing it. Like, you could tell that he actually cared. I mean, that was a, like, that's a pro right there.
0: Yeah, no, and and that's exactly it. A pro, like... You know, you can either choose to just say, oh, I can't hit, and that's just how it is, and just focus on pitching. But, like, you have tons of free time as a, as a starter, especially. Time to go to the cage. Time to work on getting bunts down. Um, time to sit there and, and figure out how to come up with a big hit. And, you know, I had, I had a, a pitcher, a guy tell me one time, he said, you know, if you look at your sacrifice bunts and then look at your win total at the end of the year, they're right around the same number. They're pretty close. And I started to look. I'm like, wow, man, one – 17 games had 19 sack punts, won 15 games had 15 sack punts. Like there's a correlation there to you putting your team in the best position to be able to score a run. Now you get a run, you get the sack bunt down in the fourth inning, that run scores, now it's a tie game. Now all of a sudden in the seventh inning with, you know, first and second, none out, you're dealing. Your manager might be like, I'm just going to let them get the bunt down and let my best pitcher on the team who's, you know, just going out there and dominating right now, Keep dominating, you know, Lou Piniello said the other day, every time you go to the bullpen, every time a manager walks out there, when a pitcher is going really good and you walk out there and you make a change, there's the risk that something's going to go wrong, that things aren't going to be the way they are right now. And, you know, we look at the numbers and we just think that they're going to happen, but why not let the starting pitching keep going if you can handle the bat? But times are changing, games evolving, and then you have to adapt and evolve along with it.
1: Ryan Dempster off the mound podcast. Uh, Check him out on the Marquee Sports Network, MLB Network, all over the place. Uh, Demp, before you go here, let me just run through the team real quick. Number one, uh, do you think that Chris Bryant in the leadoff hole hurt him at all this year?
0: No, I I don't. I think
1: he had a great spring training. I think
0: he was prepared for it. I think he had great at bats early on. Then he wasn't getting the results, and um, you know, hitting the ball hard or having like nine pitch at bats, and then you know, getting a nasty pitch from somebody and getting the punch out or making an out. And then all of a sudden, you know, he battles a the, the little bit of the injury. And I think that probably has, uh, you know, more to do with it than anything else. And, you know, it's, it's pandemic time. Things are a little bit, uh, you know, different for everybody. And, and I think, um, you know, mentally, you know, I don't know this personally, so I just, be- I just became a dad. Like, that's always a big step. And then you do that in the middle of a pandemic and all the things going on. And then you change, you um, you know the way everything's done, and then you don't get off to the hot start. I mean, he could have a hot month, and the next thing you know, he finishes hitting 300. That's just literally how it is. So, um, I think a healthy Chris Bryant out there batting anywhere in the lineup is is capable of of doing that. And I think batting leadoff, you know, he's just capable of putting up some huge numbers there too.
1: It feels like. And I get it that it's a lot of money or whatever, but it just, it almost feels like he's been taken for granted. Like, oh, yeah, no, we'll just get rid of KB. And it's like, well, hold on a second. The guy plays third. He plays first. He plays left. He plays right. He gets in the middle of the order. Oh, by the way, can you go hit leadoff? And by the way, can you be the most perfect player off the field that would never embarrass the franchise? To me, I don't, I don't get it. Like, wouldn't you want this guy around for the majority of his career?
0: Yeah, I'm sure they do. And I'm sure he wants to, but you know, we know that there's there's two sides to everything, right? There's a there's multiple sides. There's agents and there's players trying to get the best contract they can get, and there's teams trying to manage payrolls and all of those things. So, but I, I couldn't agree with more with you. I think he set the bar just crazy high. You know, Golden Spikes winner, minor league player of the year, rookie of the year, MVP, World Series champion, doing it all. And then he hits 280 with 30 or something, and we're like, what happened to Chris Bryant? <laughs> you know, it's like, whoa. Yeah, that's that's a lot. It's a lot to carry around and the expectations of that. And, um, you know, and, and on top of all of that, I mean, let's face it, I mean, I'm not saying he's Michael Jordan in this town, but as far as especially after the 2016 season, you could argue he was as popular as Michael was in those championships. Like, guy can't go to the grocery store without 100 people asking for a pitcher or you know, and that's not everybody's cup of tea. That's a hard thing to try and take in all the time. Um, so I just think he's had an incredible amount of expectations on him. He's handled it all extremely well. He's been a pro through it all. Team win, first guy always. Um, one of my favorite people around. And um, I hope he's in the Chicago Cub uniform for the rest of his career. And if not, I hope he gets everything he deserves because he's earned every bit of it.
1: Yeah, I forgot about that part of his life here because it's true. Like he would do a couple – he did a – he hit – he was sitting at Homer's in the Chicago River on one uh, promotional thing. I think I forget who it was with. Doesn't matter. And just straight, Red Bull. yeah, yeah, Red Bull, right? Just straight mobbed. I mean, he, you know, and it, I mean, people were expecting him to be there, but I can't imagine what it's like for him walking around, especially then. Uh, what, what, what are you seeing with Craig Kimbrell? Is there a path to get him back to being dominant? Because obviously, if they're going to try to win the whole thing here, they could really use that.
0: Yeah, I just think it. You know, are initial reactions as competitors when we're out there is a couple good outings. And I feel like, okay, I'm ready. And, and I just think you just need to see, try and see as many, um, as many good positive outings in a row, you know, um, the stuff's there. It's not a matter of stuff. He's throwing 98. He's got a nasty breaking ball. And I can only imagine, I haven't talked to Craig. I can imagine it's probably between the ears a little bit. I've been there, you know, in 2005, I, safe 33 of 35 games like, you could tell me to face Albert Pujols three times in a row in the ninth inning and I'd be like cool let's go and in 2006 I didn't want to face Craig Council three times in a row you know it's just like it, it just became a confidence thing and it felt like every time I went out there something went wrong you know I'd throw a slider down and it hit somebody and next thing you know a base hit and then a walk it just stop, it's steamrolls and it's a snowball downhill that you can't stop. and it's why the game's mental. It's the physical aspects are still there. He's in great shape. You know, he, you see him throw the ball. It's coming out lively, but he's just got to find a way to get back mentally to really believe in, in himself, and and that comes with results. That's the only thing, unfortunately, that gets it is results breed confidence. Confidence breeds better results, and then then you start to get on a kind of a dominant tear. Um, I, I think he can get back there. It's just going to take a lot of hard work. But the one thing about him is we talk about being a pro. He's a pro and he's going to put that hard work in and, and try and get back there. And whenever he's asked or called upon, he's going to go out there and try and do his job.
1: Uh, speaking of a pro giving uh, Jeremy Jefferson, some acclaim here is worthy. I mean, he's stepped into it
0: hundred percent. And, you know, signed as a guy that was, you know, coming in without a guaranteed spot and, um, you know, he just took the reins right away about being a, a leader to those young guys, about how to go about his business in spring training. I watched him work. The determination from throwing a bullpen to PFPs, the energy that he brought um, wasn't that of a, a veteran pitcher. It was that of a young kid. I mean, he's just on his toes every day and, and guys feed off that. And then you have that down the bullpen to help a, a relatively green bullpen, you know, a bunch of guys that don't have a ton of years and a ton of experience and, And he's leading the way. And then on top of that, he's coming in and making big pitches and big situations and um, a big reason why the Cubs are in first place. A huge pickup and just a a great dude and a great leader down the bullpen.
1: Let's wrap up on this. I love Joe Madden. I love David Ross. I don't think the Cubs win the World Series in 16 without Ross, and I don't don't think they would have won it without Madden. And maybe it was time for Joe. I kept on hearing, like, it was too loosey-goosey in there. They needed more accountability. Is that... A true statement, like that, the team sometimes do need that. Maybe Joe just let it get, I don't know, too easy just to come to the ballpark without accountability. Like, I look at it like, hold on a second. These guys are pros. They have a lot of bright performance. Is that why they came up short in 18 and 19? I'm curious, like, the way you looked at that whole scene.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think everybody's got their own style. And how do you not choose style, right? You win all those ballgames. Go to three NLCSs and win a World Series. You know, and then that, obvious, that obviously worked too. And is there is there a comfort zone that guys start to fall into? Sure, we all get that. I think guys sign long-term deals, they get comfortable. I think guys get comfortable in a city and they think oh, what I did two years ago plays just as well today. And I think that's just human nature. So, um, you know, whether whether it was Joe or needing a new voice or whatever it is, I'm not quite sure, but I know that, when Joe was here, I mean, he changed the franchise around for the good, for the future, forever, and and that's just a remarkable thing. So, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you're you're grown men. You're asked to do a job. You know, uh, I don't I don't necessarily always need somebody to you know say, come on. But if that was the case, or they felt like they needed to do that, then I I feel like they got the right guy in that. Ross, he's a, an incredible communicator as well, and a, and a very big motivator. Um, and, he, and he takes from a lot of the things that, that Joe did preach. You see that in his the way he goes about it out there, and he lets the guys be themselves. And um, if it means every once in a while he has to be hard on somebody that maybe you know needed it, and so be it. But um, I think how lucky are the Chicago Cubs that you have a Hall of Fame manager in Joe Madden, and then you get to replace it with one of the best up-and-coming young managers in the game that will be doing it for a long time in David Ross's pretty special man pretty lucky not a lot of teams get a chance to to have that
1: i am remembering correctly that you used to run the stairs before games you'd be going up and down at miller park
0: oh god man all of them all around the league i qualcomm was the worst (laughs) you know that that thing was just massive took me like over an hour to do um the only nice part it was san diego so it was usually 72 degrees every single day um but just like steep steep stairs And Ted Lilly and I one time, Ted, after batting practice, said, Demper, let's go. Grab grab your running shoes, shorts, T-shirt, let's go. And I was like, didn't know where we were going, hopped in his car. We drove to Soldier Field after batting practice, parked right at an elevator, took the elevator to the top bowl and ran stairs at Soldier Field, got back in the car and made it back for first pitch. That was pretty cool.
1: Oh, my God. Have you told that story before? That's
0: No. That yeah, was pretty awesome. Did you do I the? He was taking me like on a nice dinner date. I'm <laughs> like, this is cool. Where are we going? You know, are Wait, we there yet? How, are we there yet? What is it? Do I can I open my eyes? He's like, yeah. I never told you to close your eyes,
1: you idiot. Let's go. So, Did you do the whole bowl like both sides? Was was that protocol? How would you do it? No, we could not. No, that was that's reserved for
0: I don't know the likes of Jerry Rice. Maybe I don't know. That was way too much. Um, that you need a pack of lunch and a dinner if you're going to do that whole bowl. dude. You know, getting up to the top and just realizing how steep all the way down it is. I'm like, no wonder guys bring a catheter up here for Bears games. I wouldn't want to walk down here to go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's,
1: you know, it's, to get back to the vending. That was a tough place to vend, man. That thing was steep as hell, and you had lunatics every which way. Like, one of you is going to throw me off of here. You've had 17 uh, Miller uh, Miller lights. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I don't feel the least bit safe. Hey, Dem awesome uh, to talk to you I, I really appreciate the time i know you're a busy dude and uh, hey best of luck at marquee with off the mound and everything else you're doing i know cub fans are loving it i'm loving it so uh keep rolling man and, and uh yeah thanks for spending time today with the windy city and uh fan
0: absolutely mark i really appreciate it man thanks for having me on go cubbies
1: presented by t-mobile the official wireless partner of odyssey sports